Yes, you're gonna have people turn their backs, but it's time for us to keep it real. Just keep talking that real, bro. Do what you do, I know what you do, so keep doing that. Talk the real. The HBI lads will see you now. See you now. I don't want to cause no problems. Mm-hmm. I just want to live my life, but I keep on hearing about nonsense. And we're back. HBI podcast, health business in between. And by some miracle, though you may not know it, depending on what order these podcasts come out, everyone is here. Well, these are hype. Oh, what a time. What a time to be alive. And I feel like the reason everyone's here is because today's topic is all about gym bros. And I'm not talking about the glorious Australian NFT project. Yeah. I am talking about people trying to create some ideal of biomechanics or like training principles based on ideology that is fundamentally flawed. Now, I know the big man who's in the my top corner here, Mr. Ben Humphreys, is ready to rage. So, Ben, do you want to lead in on this one? Let's go. All right. Um, we are back. We're all good. Crypto's steady, which is, means everyone's mood's a bit better. Um, Mina just had to attend to a patella dislocation on the work site <laughs> so he's just made it so this one will be short and sharp but something that you know we all see quite commonly especially if you're working with um lots of coaches and pts and also working with certain clientele especially i guess i like to call them the, the gym the gym girls so gym bros but just in a girl form and often just as um you know, obnoxious and, and gym bro science strong as and carry their gym Bibles around, gym bro Bibles around. And they, um, as Nate said, a lot of the programming, I believe that these guys do, A, they've got to be, um, uh, when they do their competitions, for example, there are certain things that judges look for. Now that usually will dictate programming for people. However, it doesn't take into consideration uh, injury history, individual um biomechanics, anatomical variations, and potentially, you know, training age and whatnot, other training principles. Anyway, the big thing at the moment that's on my mind is more um, to do shoulder, upper back, neck, scapula. In particular, it's this one's for those, those girls who really avoid training any scapular elevation work to upper trap, levator scap because they're scared that they'll get too bulky through the upper trap and that the upper trap and levator scap is already, you know, bulky. But where I guess my perspective on this is that um, it's actually, you know, reverse engineering. You're like, all right, well, why is a muscle hypertonic to begin with? Because it's probably overloaded, it's stressed, it might be inflamed. Now, if it is in a chronic hypertonic, I guess, pathological state, then you got to really work out right. Why is what input or, or lack of input is causing this problem to continue. Now, if we program, for example, um, that someone, uh, say a, a gym girl comes in and she's got a competition coming up and she is, you know, saying that her, her upper trap and her levator scap is kicking in on every exercises do maybe deltoid work, lateral dumbbell raises, um, pressing back day, whatever it may be. Now you can be, you know, you can look at that face value and go, well, should we, you know, detrain that? Should we avoid that? Like short term thinking is literally just avoid that problem. All right. Let's just not train it. Now, in my opinion, people 
by not training scap elevation means it leads to some scap instability overloads for the cervical thoracic spine, um, several shoulder girdle problems. And over time can lead to, you know, chronic uh, neck issues, headaches, stiffness. You're, you're all with me at the moment. We all, we all see it anyway. So I'm like, well, if we look at why it's happening in the first place, then we can understand why it is what it is and why it's manifesting itself as this. Now, if like, like any muscle, right? If you damage a muscle, um, the idea is to rehabilitate it, get stronger. Uh, you get some associated hypertrophy with that. Uh, you get uh, you know, CNS and, and PNS. Uh, nervous system changes and adaptation you get obviously the muscle tissue nervous neural tissue changes anyway so if for example in in this example specifically if a girl comes in or a guy and all they're getting is you know trap tightness and that sort of thing upper trap levator scap uh, often i'll ask all right well when was the last time you had scap elevation programming in your programs it's like well i never train upper traps and levator scap it's already too bulky i'm like well why is it too bulky um in my opinion pathologically hypertonic because of you know being overloaded chronically so i'm like well to reverse engineer this and actually get the muscle to not appear as bulky because it's not bulky because you got plenty of muscle tissue there it's actually bulky because it's hypertonic and it's stressed and it's inflamed so therefore if you train it in a way that is a more of a uh you know, a stability focus and a biomechanical focus versus a strength and hypertrophy focus, which will come hand in hand anyway. Um, you're not going to actually enhance the size of the muscle. You should actually load it in a way that's appropriate where it will become, uh, it can handle load better, has a better capacity to handle load and therefore it shouldn't be kicking off and being hypertonic and spasmodic as much as it has been. Obviously, there's other factors to consider. Um, cervical spine, thoracic spinal health, scapular stability, glenohumeral stability. But it's in, in my opinion, in these cases, it's actually you know the polar opposite of what people do. People will choose to detrain it. It enters this ugly cycle, continues, 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 change the behavior, change the outcome, begin training it you know, twice a week, low volume, and you're not going to get these um, massive traps that people think they're going to get by training some shrugs or upright rows or whatever it may be. Anyway, long story short, girls, train the traps, upper trap, train the elevator scabs. It's going to give you better neck health, better fucking thoracic health, and better shoulder health. All right, on to you, Dan. Yeah, I think uh, a few good points there. Another thing that's a predisposing underlying factor is obviously like breathing, respiratory mechanics. Everyone's stressed. Um, if you're not breathing properly, obviously you're going to be using a lot of, you know, um, you know pump, handle, pump handle motion accessory breathing patterns. And one of the biggest muscles there is going to be uh, upper traps. So like I'd say if you're not addressing respiratory dysfunctions and teach people how to breathe and brace properly, that's the first thing that's going to contribute to hypertonicity, um, hypertonicity and sensitivity around that area. Um, but I agree with what you said in terms of like, there's nothing wrong with training it, but when it comes to training principles and programming principles, looking at things like frequency, intensity, volume, um, you know, we can train a certain muscle or a certain area effectively. We don't necessarily need to um, hypertrophy it or make it super strong. It's like, you know, there's, there's two different camps. You've got strength and hypertrophy, then you've got corrective exercise, you know, stability, motor control, you know, doing some motor control work, stability work, 
via corrective exercises at low intensity. It's like low absolute intensity. It might feel hard, but like, you know, relative intensity versus absolute intensity in that situation will allow the, allow you to have enough, um, you know, not enough of an intervention to get the outcome we want, which is going to be like good, good range of motion, good mobility, good stability without having too much volume or intensity that we're going to start to get big bulky traps. And obviously from a physique point of view, start to, you know, have a detrimental effect from what they need in competition. So that's two things. And I think the last thing, which a lot of people, a lot of girls have, I find just from their personal experience training females and physique is doing things like deadlifts and Romanian deadlifts and stuff where there's a lot of grip strength, like isometrically, where you've got a lot of downward rotation and scapular depression. There's a lot of like loaded isometric eccentric um, volume going through the traps can be a big factor. So like making smart substitutes for exercises, like instead of a Romanian deadlift doing something like a, a safety bar, good morning, where it's like, we can get that same pattern, same outcome, but take a lot of that like grip strength, heavy isometric eccentric load through the traps because that's a big factor or using straps and not having to grip as hard. Um, so like smart substitutions is going to be fine, but I definitely agree with you, not just for the traps, but for any sort of um, dysfunction in the body, we need to have correctives because if we don't have range of motion and a foundation of stability and range of motion, then you're not going to build muscle effectively period. Yeah. And no, on that, like I always talk to clients about there's an order of, there's an order of priority that the body will follow and often building muscle tissue is only done when there's enough resources to build muscle tissue. So if your body's forever trying to handle uh, inflammation, trying to handle dysfunction, trying to repair tendon tissue, cartilage tissue, muscle tissue, whatever it may be, there's an order of priority that the body follows. And if there's enough resources left over to build muscle tissue, then that's what will happen. However, if you're training and causing these issues, entering these uh, chronic sort of cycles, inflammatory cycles, chronic sort of pathological cycles, then you know, you got to look at the tissue health and its responsiveness to training, its ability to adapt. And, you know, you might end up having poor tissue health, poor vascular supply, poor neurologically, neuro, neurological supply, and you end up going backwards. So I think all things considered that you mentioned that, you know, there's many more things to factor into this equation other than, all right, what do the judges want to see? And, um, you know, what is actually appropriate for the person? Yeah, I understand. And I think even just taking it back a notch, right? Like you're talking more physique competitive stuff like that, but I think it's pretty universal um, for a lot of the people we see in our offices. You know, how many people come through? It's just like, oh yeah, it's because I carry all my stress through my neck. It's like, well, that's not actually a diagnosis or a fundamentally a thing. It's a perception, absolutely, but usually it's because of a again lack of proprioceptive awareness so the brain doesn't feel safe so it's minimizing ranges of motion it's like we said detraining certain areas overtrained or just underdeveloped other areas and i think it stems across like everything right it's just a matter of what's the goal where are we starting from and fundamentally i think there's been a lot of fear over the years around the traps almost only secondary maybe to the low back in terms of their uh, you know the silent killers and it's just like if we actually work on creating good movement, good power and good, I guess, associated mechanics, we're not going to have any issues. And in fact, it's going to work out better. And as you said, my experience with physique competitors, particularly females, is that when they do train, you know, upward scapular rotation or scap mechanics or traps specifically, the traps actually appear leaner um, and give them a better shape rather than when they are, like you said, chronically hypertonic, inflamed you're going to get this bulking out and 
I mean, if we go to a female versus male approach here, fundamentally building like bulky traps is very, in the absence of anabolics, is hard real do. hard for women, right? Like, it's, it's like, I mean, it's like carbs, hormonal. Big traps I mean, you don't. It's just not like, the, again, the female body's not really fundamentally designed for it from a basic sort of hormonal mechanical point of view. Like, it can happen, um, even in the absence of antibiotics, but fuck me, it's hard. Um, and like, you're probably looking at like your elite crossfitters, maybe got more trap development than most. But they also do an absolutely proverbial shit ton of pulling in overhead, like snatch, cleans, like deadlifts and all these things that physique crew are almost certainly not doing. And if they are, they shouldn't be. Um, if you're just on the note, like if you're a physique competitor and you're doing snatches, why? Um, <laughs> well, why? <laughs> but uh, like if you like them, sure. But other than that, why? But um, yeah, like if we come back to that very basic point here, like, there's a lot of fear there that doesn't need to be there. And I know when I like put women on trap training, I like to use like isolated, slow tempo shrugs just to really get women comfortable, men as well, comfortable with like loading up through there. There's a lot of fear that comes with it. Like second only to telling a physique competitor they need to up their calories. There's a lot of fear going on here. Um, and I think, just before I hand over back over to the big man, Ben, like I think there's a secondary we should talk about here specifically for, I guess, bodybuilding athletes is you'll see these people that are trying to create muscular development in these regions late stage into a cut. And you're like, well, as you said, like the body has a list of priorities and mu- muscle growth is calorically expensive. Mm. If you're in a 70% deficit, no fucking wonder you're not growing muscular. Like, well, right? Like, there's stuff that has to happen pre-dialing in. So, like, it's just, I mean, it should be basic fundamentals. And, like, anyone with a basic understanding should, like, should be able to comprehend this stuff. And so, like you said, there's still so much, like, gym knowledge. Where people, and, like, not to take away, because gym knowledge, like, is important. Yeah. Trying to be nice about it, but like, <laughs> like there is fundamental stuff that comes from experience, right? And we always talk about this experience, like at times does in certain areas trump education, but there has to be plausibility. Mm-hmm. And if it's just fundamentally non like the plausibility is not there, then people really need to take a long, hard look at what they're doing, why they're doing it, and who they're listening to. And, and that's this is a really quality conversation, and I hope most practitioners have this sort of level of communication with with their clients because this is the sort of stuff that's going to myth bust a lot. You know, for all the amount of people that we see on a daily basis, like it takes a long time to put on that sort of muscle, right? And having this education, I really hope this podcast gets to a lot of people because you know we see it a lot here in, in the myo space as well. Oh, you know, I want to be able to, we need to train the traps in a certain way just so we can deload the neck and the muscles and the nerves. And like, no, I don't want big shoulders well it's yeah, it's going to take you a long time and the sort of programming that we're doing is not going to give you big shoulders <laughs> it's going to give you a proper alignment it's going to ease off the nerves it's going to help you get proper functionality and ability to be able to do the things you want to do um so i think the education piece in this sector is really 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 critical because there's more than one way to move a muscle and the way we're designing it from from what we're talking about is not going to give you those sort of traps so yeah spot on boys yeah and complaining about muscles if you're injured and you can't actually move for long enough to put any meaningful muscles. So yeah, I ain't gonna put that on. <laughs> yeah, baseline of function at the bottom of the pyramid is gonna be a precursor to any strength hypertrophy or you know, just living pain free goals. So 
we need a, it doesn't have to be an either or approach. It needs to be a systematic approach of all the foundations first. And then like from there, we can go more specific into hypertrophy and focusing on muscles and specifics, but there's no point focusing on specifics when we don't have general stuff down pat. Yeah. Agreed. And like it, it can, you, you might mention it's not common sense, Nathan, and, and, and nothing is against common sense or common knowledge because what's common to you is not common to me and what's common to another physio is not common to me. However, this is what happens when there's a, the, the the level i guess the bar the level of entry the bar the bar of entry i don't know if, if i can mess that up but the prerequisite to be a pt and then to to, to to qualify to get in and then to be a qualified pt for example um is low right and that's not dissing anyone that's just objectively how it is so therefore if there's you know more variables and there's um uh less barriers to jump to getting into anything then obviously on the outcome and the back end of things is going to be, you know, few and far between of who's a good coach and who isn't the ones I find who are quite good are the ones who, you know, have, as Nate said, more experienced typically, not always. Uh, and that goes for humans in general in any profession. But I think Dan touched months ago on like sport versus performance and, you know, sport and the outcome of sport or a bodybuilding show, for example, is not always, biomechanically anatomically you know it's not always in the best interests of the body for it to perform this way move this way look this way however for that person's certain goal um, they, they require these certain things mm. so i think that as you boys said you know thorough assessment thorough knowledge idea of you know as dan always says the starting point and the finish point then you can really articulate and build something comprehensive and tailored to the individual so it just goes back down to um you know great screening great knowledge on pathoanatomics and great knowledge on snc principles and it's not it's this is not easy for anyone to do to be able to dissect something so heavily and you only can dissect and analyze something to the best of your knowledge however if you can educate yourself in you know the allied health space and a bit of snc space and the um you know the motivation and accountable space and you can really sort of tailor your i guess coaching or your programming in a way that is you know not only biomechanically advantageous but it's also not causing certain pathologies yeah i'll finish off too i think there's one other thing that always needs to be comprehended here is what your role is yeah in the team and like so Big shout out. I was uh, listening to an interview with Dr. Andy Galpin, who is an absolute legend yesterday. And he talks about his role as a, you know, sports scientist within performance metrics and nutrition, all these things in athlete camp. He's like, sometimes I'm running the show and sometimes I'm only there for one certain thing. And so if you've got an athlete that's under care, especially if it's someone who's more on a proactive care level and they're going to take on this show and they've got a coach and they want you to be actively involved, then you need to know what level you are. Is your are you running the show with the with the rest of the crew or are you just there to work body maintenance? Because if you're just there to work body maintenance, yeah, you can venture an opinion, but it's not your role to step over the top. Because Andy talks about this like with an UFC fighter, like of course the striking coach, the wrestling coach, the juice coach, all of them believe their thing is the most important and they want the most time. So when they sit down at the start, they're like, all right, we've got a hundred percent here, you get five percent. And if you overstep your mark you're either getting pulled or you're getting sat down and talked to because you're not doing the right thing by the athlete so as a practitioner if your role is just purely like body maintenance um 
then it is no longer your right to do. Now, again, you can venture it and they can choose and they may come back to you, but you you have to be like, all right, listen, you asked this from me. Yes, I believe there's a way this could be better done, but that's not why I'm here for you. Mm-hmm. If we want to go down that pathway, we can. But it's the same as like, you know, when I go, I'm going to go to the gym straight after this today. I'm going to go sit at Revo and O'Connor and I'm going to leave my brain outside because if I watched what everybody was doing, I'd have to gouge my eyes out. <laughs> so sometimes you've got to recognize where your authority lies. And even if it could, things could be done better, it's not always your right to decide that. Yeah. And this, this is a little side job. Yeah, very good. We'll finish it up there. But this is where we touch on collaboration, building out a network, working with people who you trust, who are getting great. They've got great competence in their field. Yeah. And you don't have to be a fucking master of everything. you got to work with people who are fucking masters of everything. And that's yeah. collaborative approach. And that's how we go forward. But that's what the fucking HBI podcast is. There's <laughs> a big but on that, though. Sometimes you're brought in and there's already a team in place. Yeah. And knowing your role, I think, is what you're yeah. saying. Like, yeah. you got a role, you play it. And if you want to do yeah. something different, then you communicate that openly with the people involved yeah. and make sure everyone's on board. At the end of the day, the client for us is the centerpiece in almost every situation. So, And if you want to upskill their team, you have to earn the right to do it and telling them they're wrong will not get you there. That gets you kicked out. <laughs> gets you fucking nothing. So, so right. that's why like, that's why people are Adam Meekins on the internet yelling at people is making no impact. Anyway. Yeah, makes a lot of no noise. No Adam. I actually quite like the man, but like, if you're just going to blow noise, like you're just going to get the usual circle jerkers around you. Anyway. And get started. <laughs> it's been a pleasure this week. I enjoyed that. It was a nice little hot one. So again, as always, if you got something today, please screenshot, share it out there. Let's make sure we can help as many people as possible. And wherever you get your podcast, please leave us a five-star review. It really, really helps to get the message out. Well done, we'll see you all soon. See you Thanks soon.